Father God, as we just wait in your presence. We wait for you, not because you're not here, because your word promises that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst. And surely, Lord, we exceed the number, but God, we wait for the demonstration. We wait, O oh God, for you just to come and show yourself strong, to reveal yourself, O oh God. So Lord, as we open up your word, would you reveal yourself to us through your word? Would you speak to our hearts? Would we be challenged in our hearts by your very word, O oh God? And then as we take time to go into prayer and remember the many needs in our praise reports, O oh God, would you show yourself strong once again in that time that we dedicate to seek your face? Lord, we love you and we honor you tonight and we give you all the glory. Now as we open up this passage for tonight's Bible study, I pray that, Lord, you would just impart all that you want to be said. Hide me behind the cross that, Lord, only you would be seen in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You may be seated. As uh, We are looking at the last chapter of Malachi. And it's not Malachi. C-H is pronounced K. Although everybody likes to read it as uh, he's reading in the book of Malachi. That's like saying I was reading in the book of Palms. <laughs> but anyways, it's all fun, right? And um, yeah, so we're on the last chapter. So this is um, how it will end as we open it up. I just want to uh, share, just in case we lose anybody while they're listening and they drop off, they lose connection wirelessly with their internet. This will be our last Bible study for the summer. However, however, while it's our last Bible study, for those of you that are watching online, it's our last night that we will have an online service. We will continue to have something in-house July and August every Wednesday. The emphasis will be on sharing a, a devotion and emphasizing in seeking God and praying. And so uh, we invite you to come and join us just for the summer um, emphasis of Bible study. We will not be online after tonight. So next Wednesday night, July 5th, we won't be online. But we will continue to look into the Word of God. We will continue to be refreshed with a devotion. And we will be seeking God's face. So it doesn't mean don't come. It just means we won't be live streaming until September. Thereafter, Labor Day, we will open up our live stream Bible studies once more. Okay? But we will be, we will be in the Word of God on a Wednesday. So you won't be missing the Word of God. We just won't be spending a whole hour. <laughs> But uh, so come out. This is the bottom line. If you watch online as best as you can, come out. And if you're unable to, you know what? We fully understand. We're not here to guilt trip you uh, because we understand that some people are in a different city. Some people even actually listen from a different country. You know what we would encourage you to do? Go back and listen to old episodes 
of our Wednesday nights, old Sunday services, and God will bless you uh, no matter what. Having said that, Malachi chapter 3, uh, we're going to look tonight at verses 8 through the end of chapter 4, with the emphasis being um, on robbing God. Will a man rob God? Let's just read these verses um, of verse 8 and onward. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not be destroyed. The fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So just a, a little disclaimer, this is not one of those, uh, you know, send us your offerings and uh, we're going to send you a DVD and a booklet or anything like that. This is not us trying to extract or, or pull money from the people. If, a matter of fact, if you notice, Logos puts it totally on your relationship between you and God. We, um, we are not pressing our congregation and our people each Sunday with many sermonettes on if you do this and if you give, you'll get that from God. We trust that you are walking in relationship with God, that you will give from your heart to the Lord. So I just want to make that disclaimer because you know what? There are sometimes ministries across the world, uh, especially on TV, we might be influenced a lot by them where we feel as though they are uh, seeking us only for our money. So as I'm teaching this tonight, it's because this is where we've reached in the portion of scripture. This is where we've reached in the Bible study. It's not to inflict any um, false guilt or anything upon anyone listening. However, if the Lord or the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about anything concerning you and your giving, that is between you and God. All right? So I just want to I just want to share that with you. Because this is what we truly desire for you, is that you would get Jesus, that you would truly grow in understanding who Jesus is. You see, we don't receive Jesus as our Savior because we've uh, served in the church X amount of hours this week. We've put, um, uh, we we've uh you know donated this or or donated that we don't even get our salvation because we put x amount of dollars in the offering plate the the word of god says in acts chapter 4 verse 12 there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved so we are not saved because we go to logos church and we're not saved because because, oh, somebody prayed over us. We are saved because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have chosen to believe in him as our Lord and Savior and make him Lord of our lives. 
Okay, so even as we look at this, we are not saying that this is a way in which one is saved. But out of the abundance of your salvation, you will want to give into and give to the Lord. So when you make Jesus Lord of your life, he comes in and what does he do? He changes you. He renews every area of your life and every area especially that you have surrendered and there's the key that when you're walking in relationship with the lord that you are surrendering your whole life to him because if there's an area of your life that is not surrendered that's the area that is going to be left unchanged matthew 6 verse 21 and 24 says this for where your treasure is there is your heart there your heart will be also Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, you notice that Jesus didn't say you can't serve God and and your job. You can't serve God and, and the public. He says you can't serve God and money. And he emphasized money specifically because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to follow. That's what you're going to seek after. What is the emphasis of the desires of your heart? What are you wanting for the most? If you're seeking to be... Uh, well off and established with high riches and that is your only goal that's the pursuit that you have within your heart then you know what's going to what's going to happen that is what's going to have a hold on you if you're seeking only for the monetary riches if you're seeking to have money and lots of it i'm not talking about seeking to to establish yourself in in an employment that's going to supply for your financial needs pay for your bills i'm not talking about that i'm talking about those that have aspirations i want to get to a, a six figure digit uh, for my for my income i want to i want to achieve this and their whole goal in every day waking up is for the achievement of that money aspect that demonstrates what that your money has a hold on you your money has a hold on you so malachi as we just read says will a man rob god in this in these verses that we just read we found out that they robbed god how did they rob god in their tithes and their offerings they weren't giving to god therefore what did they what happened they were cursed for robbing god they were cursed they it became a curse to them and what was the remedy that was to take place to remove this curse to lift that curse it was to bring the whole tithe to the house of the lord and that in bringing the whole tithe what would god do he would rebuke the de- the devourer what does the devourer look like when everything seems to be going wrong in a house let's just pretend okay because it's happened to me not because i was being devoured but it's happened to me that where all of a sudden you hit a season of okay the toilet's going the taps are going it's everything needs to be replaced and repaired right war it's it's like the day after the warranty and and everything needs to be repaired type of thing right so the devourer will come in a cataclysmic of events so your tires uh, you get a flat tire your engine all of a sudden your battery's no good 
not just the natural wear and tear of things. I'm talking about the uneventful, unexpected things, and they keep building up. There's a devourer looking to devour the blessings of the Lord. So the Lord addresses this. Will a man rob God? It wasn't foreign language that he's speaking to them about giving to him. It wasn't like, well, now what, what do you mean, God? What are you, what are you talking about, these tithes and offerings? He addressed it with them in Exodus chapter 23, in verses 15 and 16. It's just the latter part of verse 15. It says, Now shall, none shall appear before me empty handed. You shall keep the feasts of harvest, of first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feasts of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. He also addressed it in Nehemiah. If you turn to Nehemiah chapter 10, Verses 35 to 39, it says, We uh, obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it was written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds, and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the first of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priests and to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the, to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. You see, God already established it. There's, there's a plethora, plethora of scriptures that we could look at, but time permit doesn't permit us to go into every single scripture verse. But it was already established by God that when you brought of the first fruits, when you brought of the first half of, of, of your store, of your, of your crop, that was what God was expecting. It, how would that look like to us? When you receive your, your, your paycheck, if you want to say, right away you first give to God. Right away you first give to God his portion. That's what essentially it boiled down to, that they gave of their crops. Why? That they would not neglect the house of the Lord that they would not neglect the house of the Lord. So it was something when God is addressing them in Malachi, because Malachi and Nehemiah were contemporaries. They were, in a lot, they were um, ministering during the same time, okay? So if they were contemporaries, though, when God is addressing them in Malachi, it's not something unheard of. It's something that they already were aware of. They brought the first fruits of their crop. They brought the first fruits of their livestock, their dough, their oil, their wine, the first of everything. And the Levites who would receive their tithes, they would bring it to the house of the Lord and to the storehouses. But later on, something takes place in Nehemiah. Later on, 
we find out in chapter 13 that Nehemiah was a little bit disappointed because he says this in verse 10 onward. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their stations. Then all Judah brought the tithe of grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses. And then uh, jump down uh, to the end of verse 13. They were considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. And then he says, remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. What happened? The people were giving up their first fruits, but then they began to get sloppy in remembering the Lord in their tithes and offering. They began to get slack in it, and they weren't bringing it into the house of God. And so what happened was the Levites had to leave aside their ministry of what they were called to do. The priests had to leave aside their work at the church. The, they were, the, the, the worship team, if you wanted to say, was no longer worshiping. The priests were no longer leading, and they had to go to the fields in order to earn so that they could make provision for their own because the, the, the increase from the people was not being brought into the house of the Lord. And so the house of the Lord was struggling. And the house of the Lord was not able to make its ends meet because the people became lax. And so the people did not obey God's word regarding giving. And so since that lack of support came in, those who were intended, those who were called to, to minister to the people could no longer do so. So that lack of giving was represented as forsaking God. They were forsaking God in the giving of their tithes and offering. Will a man rob God? They were expecting the, the singers to still minister, but yet they could no longer minister because the provision wasn't there. And so when we give to God first and we give, of him, give to him of our tithes, we are saying to him, God, you know what? I fully trust you. I fully trust you. So if God owns everything, if the word of God said that he owns the cattle on the hills, if everything belongs to him, then when he gives to us, let's just pull out a dollar figure of $100. That actual whole $100 belongs to him. If we were to take the Old Testament principle of 10%, then of that $100, we give $10. We're reluct re, re, uh, reluctant to give that $10 because we're thinking, but Lord, I only have 100 where am I going to go today with $100? What can I buy today with $100? You go to the grocery store with $50. What have you come out with? Maybe some bread, maybe some milk, you know? $7.99, you buy a jar of peanut butter. If you bought the no name, it might cost you a dollar less. But where are you going to go? And so then people become reluctant to sacrifice that $10 because, Lord, it's only $100. Where am I going to go with the $100?
In essence, what we are saying is we're not trusting that this $100 that actually does belong to him, we're not trusting him that he's going to make the 90 above and beyond more than what we need. Because we're being reserving in giving him that 10. So I'm going to keep the 10 because I need the whole 100 because I need to do, pay this this week and I need to purchase that this week and, I have, to, and I, I have this outstanding this week. And so we keep the whole 100. And what we have actually done is we are then robbing God because we're saying, I don't even trust you. But he's saying, wait a second, I gave you the 100. I'm only asking for 10. Why don't you trust me to bless the 90 as though it were still the hundred. Or why don't you uh, trust me to bless the 90 as though it were 200? Because maybe that will be the day you go to the grocery store and you know what, they got a roast on, reduce. And you can bring that roast home and you can make a, a meal out of that roast and you know what, guess what, not only did you get it on reduce, but you had leftovers. Why? Because you trusted him with the 10 and he blessed the 90. Has it not happened to any of you? Yes. Yeah. It's happened to me where I've been able to, to go to the store and buy this and it, it just keeps him blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, but is it ever going to end? One time a friend, I, and I told you this story maybe, I, I can't recall, but if I did, forgive me for repeating. But one time I was at work and I was thinking, oh my goodness, uh, what, I even forgot to take something out for dinner tonight and I got to be back for the service. What am I going to do? And so a friend comes to the church and she says, come out to my car. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go out to her car. She was an Italian lady and she made pasta fagiole. So that's pasta and beans, right? So anyways, I go to her car. She didn't want to bring it in because she didn't want anybody to know that she had made me this pasta fagiole. And so anyways... I'm like, I'm so grateful because I was remembering in my rush, I didn't take anything out, I didn't, and, and, and you know, not, what are we going to have for dinner? And I only have this window of time to prepare it before I have to be back to the church. Well, I tell you, we went home. She, when I looked in the pot, I thought, well, that's perfect. That's just enough for all of us, and I'll probably even have some for Dino's lunch. I kid you not, and this isn't the only time this has happened to me. This has happened to me many, many times when I'm telling the, it to this story. But anyhow, I served us the, the pasta fragile. I made my husband's Tupperware off to church. I went the, the next night as I came home, the kid, my son says, Ma, is there any more of that pasta left? I would like some of that pasta. There was enough for that night's dinner. I promise you with no exaggeration before God, we ate three times from that pasta, pot of pasta fagiole. The Lord didn't just bless us. He blessed the person who made it and extended it. It's just pasta and beans. But you know, it's very good for you. But it's the blessing of the Lord. Why? Because the entrusting was, Lord, what am I going to prepare? There's somebody and she wants to, to give, but she wants nobody to know she had made something to give. And so she brings it, come out to my car. You see, we have to trust God. The attitude of your money will reflect your attitude towards God. How you withhold with your money will demonstrate what you are withholding from God. What's your attitude 
with your money. It could be said in so many ways, the attitude that you have towards your money reflects your attitude towards God. Do you trust God to make every provision or do you trust your money to make the provision? Do you, in every sphere, it's going to reflect your attitude towards God. Consider Cain and Abel. So the two of them gave offerings to the Lord but whose offering was preferred? If you look in Genesis chapter 4, it was Abel's offering that was preferred. And the reason why Abel's offering was preferred was not because he was more able to give, but because he gave of his first fruit. He gave from his first offspring. Cain also gave an offering. But Cain didn't give of his first. Cain gave from what he had, but he did give his first. See, this is what the, the scripture says in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. What's the difference? They both brought an offering, but one brought the cream of the crop. One brought of his best. Cain's disobedient heart led him to be a murderer of his own brother. He was so upset that God preferred his brother that he murdered him. You see, if you're going to be so tight wad and you're going to hold on so tightly to that $10, then anybody else who seems to succeed ahead of you, anyone else who seems to be blessed of God ahead of you, you're going to be very murderous in your heart towards them. You are going to speak evil of them. Oh, you think murdering is just when you take the life of somebody with a gun or a knife or a strangling? Murdering could be with your words. You could use such words of criticism. Well, how could they afford that? Well, maybe you would be able to afford it and walk in their blessing if you didn't hold on so tight. Well, I'm surprised they even got that much. Well, you would get that much too. Your attitude towards money reflects your attitude towards God. Cain was murderous towards his brother. He killed his brother. Why? Because he was envious of the relationship that Abel had with God. He was envious of the blessing that Abel was walking in. But Cain could have also walked in that very same blessing. Cain could have walked in that same favor of God. But yet he didn't give out of that joyful place. He gave, well, I'll just give to the Lord. Yeah, I'll just give him that. I don't need that one there. You know, kind of like you're done with the top, so you give it to Salvation Army. <laughs> Come on, we all do it, right? You're done with it. Or, or how, how about this? It's in good shape. It no longer fits you. You give it. Somebody else could be blessed by it. But what about when you give to the Salvation Army or the cerebral palsy or the multiple sclerosis and it has holes in it? 
Well, that's okay. If they really want it, they'll sew it. If it wasn't nice enough for you to wear, don't give it away for somebody else to wear. If you're giving it away, it's because it doesn't fit you. Or you haven't used it, but not because it has a hole in it and it's no longer good for you. Because if it's no longer good for you, it's no longer good for them. Right? And that's how Cain gave. Well, give him that. But Abel, ah, this is the first you of the year. I'm going to give it to you, God. Thank you so much for this you. And he just offers it to God. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It, through, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves in many, with many pangs. Some have wandered away from the faith. I have seen young people... Um, you know what happens to them? They get to that age to get a job. Up until they were able to get a job, they were in church every week with their parents. They went to the kids' club programs and so forth. Oh, but they get a job. And now, because they enjoy earning money, they no longer come to church Sunday morning because guess what? Their job expects them to work Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden, you don't see them. And I've seen them where you actually don't see them in church, period. Not that they're saying, okay, Lord, because I know that some people, and it happens even with my husband. There are times he has to go in on a Sunday night, so he's not here on a Sunday morning. He's sleeping, okay? Or, or my daughter in the field that she's in and her husband, they have to work on a Sunday. But then they, you can make an alternative date that you could be in church, Right? Sometimes your job is going to take you, but are you still devoting to the God, the Lord? Okay, I wasn't in church on Sunday because I, I had to work, but seeing as I'm not working Wednesday, I'll be there. Seeing as I'm not working Friday, I'll, I'll tune in online. You understand what I'm saying? And so I've seen, and then what has happened to these young people, they got so lost in working every single time that, guess what? Their relationship with the Lord got further and further. And you know what happened? You never saw them in church. And the same thing happens even with their sports. Never mind uh, their jobs, their sports. And it's the, I, I remember... <laughs> This one individual, they were so faithful in church. Good grief, they could memorize scripture in Sunday school. And, and then they got really active in sports. And the, and, and the sports caused them to have to travel on weekends. They miss church. They miss church. This is what was happening if, if we allow the love of money to be that root within us, then all sorts of evil will muster up. All sorts of evil will muster up. For Cain, it was envied towards the favor his brother had. For another, it might be something else. Be careful, be careful, be careful what you're looking at in another person and being envious of their blessing that you are murdering them in your thought and in your heart. Because you know what you're doing? You're robbing yourself of the blessing of God. God bless them. Look what the Lord is doing for them. God bless them. And you know what? 
P.S. The blessing is not always manifested in the monetary. The blessings in the law of the Lord in your in your life could be could be demonstrated in a multitude of ways, not just in the dollars and cents. And so here the Lord addresses the people and he says, Will a man rob God? He was shocked. He was shocked in, in making the statement that, will a man rob God? That's the way the statement is made. It's made in an astonished way. You're going to rob me? Shocking, why? Because it's, it was commanded to them by the law that they would give to the Lord of their first fruits. It was shocking that a man would rob God because it revealed their hearts. It revealed their ungrateful heart. Rather than wanting to give to the Lord in, in joy, they were ungrateful. It was shocking because it, it, um, it opened their, the, the, the doors of their life to destruction. It opened the doors to the devourer coming in and, and removing the blessings of the Lord. It was, believe it or not, Shocking because they had committed a crime, a punishable act against the law. And the law was this, that they were to give of their first fruits to God. I never really considered it in that sense. But when you look at it, if at that time and during the Old Testament time, it was a law that they were to give to God of their first fruits. Therefore, if they weren't giving of their first fruits, they were breaking the law. That's a punishable act. And so that's why God is saying, will a man rob God? But just in case you're thinking, oh, but Pastor Melody, that's right. You see, you said it right there. You said it was an Old Testament thing. And, and I don't live according to the Old Testament law. I'm a New Testament believer. I live according to grace. Because, you know, there are people that will, will preach that sermon. And so, therefore, I'm not bound to give, like you're saying, this 10%. I'm not bound to give to God. I could just... Give as I feel. Okay, that, that's true. But it, it, giving to God in a form of praise and thanks actually even began before the Lord instituted the tenth. Consider Abram. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 and 20, it says this, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Before a tithe, this, this passage of scripture from Genesis 14 happened 400 years before God established the law of the tenth, of the tithe. So it's not something that, oh, you just get exempt of giving to God and remembering to give of, to God of your best. It's, it's always been. 
It came out of the abundance of Abraham's heart to give to God because God had given him his best. We get to give to God. How about we look at it that way? How about we consider instead of I give my tenth to God, I give my offering to God, No, no, I get to give to God because God gave to me above and beyond lavishly. God gave his love to me in the form of his son and he gave unreservedly to me. He didn't hold back saying to me, but Melody, this is my only son. I'm going to give my only son for you, for you. I'm going to give of what the the only thing that I cherish for you. He didn't reserve in any way. And then when Jesus came, he didn't reserve in any way. Jesus gave all of himself to the point of, of pouring himself out completely. As he hung there and bled. He poured out his love. He then was an extension of the Father. And so I don't give to God because the Bible says that I have to give. I give to God because I get to give in return for thanks. God, you gave your all for me. This is the very least that I could give to you. I will give you my best. I will give of my best. In fact, Lord, this week I feel to even give a little more than my best because this week has been an exceptional week for me. Lord, I have felt strengthened by you. Lord, I have seen your goodness in here. Lord, I have seen that. And and in, in the zeal of my heart, for all that God has done, I, I then say, Lord, I even want to give into this. Or you see someone come and they they speak of the ministry that they've been doing and you are so encouraged by the ministry that they are doing and the lives that they are touching that then you want to give in to that person's ministry. That's now not called the tithe. That's now called the offering because you've gone above what you've given to God and now you're giving an offering to bless what somebody else is doing. Do you understand? the aspect of the offering. Will a man rob God? In the New Testament, we have the presence of Christ in the word of God. We have the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit, which they didn't have in the Old Testament, and yet they still gave. They didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit like we have. But verses 10 to 12 says this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house. And, (coughs) excuse me, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Put me to the test. Put me to the test. Try me. You know what? I encourage you tonight. Take that scripture 
and say, Lord, I'm not putting you to the test because Pastor Melody said it. I'm just going to test your word. I'm going to test your word. I am going to, and you establish within your heart how you want to test this and let the Lord prove himself to you through his word. That's all. Put me to the test, he says. I can tell you time and time again of how many times the Lord has blessed and taken care of us. Just in the hour of need, this blessing come in. Just in the hour of need, that blessing come in. Why? Because the Lord takes care of his children. Give to the Lord. Give with a joyful heart. And the Lord will take care. I remember one time, um, my, I'll say it this way, a family member that didn't understand the principle of giving um, said, oh, you guys shouldn't be giving. Do you give to your church? And I said, oh, I had never been approached that way. I was like, well, yes. Oh, no, you should not be doing that. And, and I said, what, what, what do you mean? No, 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 you can't afford to do that. Well, <laughs> you know, you have to just, oh my goodness, Lord, control my tongue in the moment, right? <laughs> First of all, and who are you to say no anyways? But they, that's, what they, that's exactly what they said. No, no, no. I says, well, they, then they went like this one step further. How much do you give? I says, pardon? And I was so shocked that I said, oh, whatever Dino tells me. Oh, no, don't listen to Dino. I was like, oh, <laughs> but the Lord knew that. <laughs> oh, geez. It, so it just became like a snowball. Why? Because people don't understand. They don't understand the principle of God's blessing and God taking care of. You know, we might not have walked in the abundance of dollars and cents, but the Lord always took care of us, and he still takes care of us. Still takes care of us. From the time I was babysitting, I put in the offering, because <laughs> that's what I knew to do. The Lord then began to address another matter with them. The other matter that he began to address was the words that they were using and he says this in verse 13. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? Do you not, did you not notice a trend here with these Malachites? Uh, the, these Malachi people, <laughs> these people of Malachi? Every time the Lord would address something, he, they would go, and how? It sounds like a bunch of kids, says you. Okay, so the, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You said it, was, it, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or, or, or of walking in the mornings before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant, blessed evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test as they escape. He's saying, like, listen to how you talk. You're my children and listen to what you're saying. Did we not look a couple weeks ago? Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of God. They were saying things like this. And he's saying, have you not heard yourself? 
Have you not heard? Oh, all of a sudden now we call ourselves children of God till somebody else across the street in our neighborhood is blessed. Well, how come they got that? How come they bought a boat? Why, why isn't the Lord giving me a boat? You know, and, and I, I'm just making that up as a scenario, but they were talking against what's the sense in serving God? if the world's going to go ahead. And one time it was said to me like this way, well, when they spend their eternity in hell, will you still be envious of how they're going ahead? You see, we look at the world and we think, oh, they're so blessed, and oh, look at their big houses and their fancy cars. And they've made a choice not to believe in God. And they've made a choice not to serve God. And we're looking at them envious. But where will you spend eternity? You will have an eternity in the presence of the Almighty God who loved you so much that he sent his son so that he could spend that eternity with you. And you're worried about the boat that they have? That's the senselessness of the words. How have we spoken against you? But then something takes place. Something takes place because they saw the, the results of their words. And in verses 16 through 18, it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those that feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. It was almost as if the conversation went, you know, God is right. We haven't been really speaking well of the blessings that he has given us. We've been so caught up in, in what the evil seemed to be receiving that we haven't seen that, you know what, our shoes haven't worn out. We haven't seen that, you know what, our clothes have lasted a little longer. Our food has not spoiled. Yeah, you know what, and, and it's almost as though the conversation went to a place of reminiscing of the goodness of God in their life, and the Lord was listening in. And he, there, written in the book of remembrance, was their names. And it goes on into Malachi 4, verse 1, and it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord. That goes right back to my illustration of what was sent, said to me one day. And when they spend an eternity in hell, will you still be envious of what they had here on earth? The Lord is saying, behold, the day is coming when the evildoers, those that have not turned from their ways, those that have not believed in him as God, those that have not turned and surrendered their, themselves and says, God, I fully trust you with all of my life. 
those they will be burned you see the early part of malachi chapter 3 referred to the refiner's fire that purified us and cleansed us of all the drought that was in our life but there is still a fire of god that burns away the evil and leaves not even a stubble behind and so these evildoers who willfully choose not to believe in God, who willfully choose not to serve God, their lives will become as a stubble. They will be burned. The day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord. Shall set them ablaze. But there's a difference. The difference is shown this in this. Those that will be burned up, but those that will be lifted on, on the wings of, the, of um, the son of righteousness. It says in, um, excuse me, let me get the verse here for you. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, verse 2, shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Who is this son of righteousness? Those that fear his name. So there will be those that do not believe, do not acknowledge, do not even live for God. Those are the ones you all seem to be bothered because they seem to be blessed. But guess what? For those that have not chosen not to believe in me, they will be ablazed by my fire. But you, when the son of righteousness comes, you will be bared up on his wings. Psalm 84, 11, this is who the son of righteousness is. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Isaiah 60, verse 19, the sun shall no more light your day nor for brightness shall the moon give you light but the lord will be your everlasting light and your god will be your glory who is the son of righteousness it is jesus revelations 22:16 i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. That's the son of righteousness. It is Jesus. So the picture is here of the Lord coming with healing in his wings. It's like that calf that was held within the, the the barn stall and all of a sudden the gate is open and that calf goes out running into the pasture and while that calf is running into the pasture what does it feel the the joy of the freedom the joy of freedom so likewise a child of god after we've been in that dark season we have felt as though we've been bound by a dark season and all of a sudden we are led out of the stall because what? When Christ appears in his righteousness, when he appears in his righteousness, we will be free. 
completely free. Anything that we have felt holding us in. What verses 2 and 3. Let's look at it one more time. But for you who fear my name of chapter 4. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act says the Lord of hosts. So that's us. When we look upon the son of righteousness, what happens to us? We will go out. We will grow fat. We will trample on the wicked. And Malachi ends this book with calling them to remember. What does he say? Remember the law, verse 4. Why does he call them to remember the law? Because there, once again, in that Old Testament time, remembering the law was causing them to remember their relationship with the Lord. Remember how they were taught of the Lord. Remember the law because that is how you relate to God. Remember the law because that is how you were taught of God. Remember the law because that is where you learned to serve in the temple. Remember the law of the Lord because that is where you were taught to give of your sacrifices, to give of your offerings to the Lord. Remember how he loves you with such an everlasting love. Oh, after everything is said and done, after I've told you I have loved you and you've asked me how have I loved you, after I have told you be careful what you've spoken, after I have told you will you rob me, remember the God who loves you with an everlasting love. And one more thing, as he just goes to make the last stroke of pen, he says, and there'll be one that is going to come. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And this Elijah the prophet is speaking of none other than John the Baptist who paves the way of Jesus. And he will turn the hearts of the father to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So as we close Malachi and we, and we say, okay, Lord, that's Malachi. That's what he said. May we look at it in this perspective. May we take away from it that we're to serve the Lord with a genuine and a sincere heart. You see, they didn't serve the Lord with a genuine and sincere heart. Go back to chapter 1. Go back to chapter 2. May we respond to his love with dedication, trusting him fully, obeying him always, because why? He never changes. I am the Lord, I change not. So what could you bring to the Lord today? Your offering of praise. What could you bring to the Lord of, of, of the fruit of what he has blessed you with in your pay? You go before God. And you give to God. And trust him. And he will take care of you. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Not because I said it. Not because I'm going to get any of it. But because God's promise to you is put me to the test. Try me. Try me. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you that your whole word is truth. 
Lord, sometimes we're tempted to just open the word and, and just read those verses that give us that feel-good feeling. But Lord, there are times we have to open your word and hear the hard truth. That we've been disobedient, that we've been neglectful in, in how we're serving you. So Lord, as we just close this study of Malachi, may we be reminded that you're there to provide for us, that you're there for us to completely and wholly trust you, that what we give to you was already yours, and what you've left us with, Lord, you will multiply it and bless it, and you will make our storehouses to be running over. You will never leave us dry or without when we give to you unreservedly. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder of your word to give back to you, which is already yours. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, those of you who joined us online. Remember, we will not be online next Wednesday night, the 5th of July through to the first uh, Wednesday in September. But we will be in-house continuing, and uh, God bless you. Come and join us as you are able to. We want to remind you to also come Sunday morning to our picnic um, at following our morning service. It's also Communion Sunday. So in mentioning that it's Communion Sunday, I ask you to go before the Lord and prepare your hearts now so that you can uh, just go before Him in a pure heart Sunday morning as you receive the elements. And remember the great work that he has done for you. God bless you. We'll see you here Sunday morning. Bye for now.